Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, January 16th, 2022. Uh, seems like it's been a while since I've been on live. I've uh, been sick off and on for a week or so. Um, my son had COVID, uh, so I probably caught it from him. It's basically a bad cold, a flu kind of thing, not the end of the world. But last Sunday, I wasn't feeling good, so I took the Sunday off and replayed a previous sermon. But I am back today uh, with a special sermon. My mom contacted me a couple days ago and uh, shared an article with me from Prophecy News Watch about some things that are going on uh, in Canada, which are very sad. And I, wa I went ahead and read it, and I wanted to dive in to the topics uh, that this article in, from Canada discusses. So let's pray and we will get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to gather here once again, brothers and sisters in Christ at a distance uh, to learn of you, to learn of your word, uh, to start looking more closely at uh, the events and the issues uh, that we face in this world as uh, so many countries spiral out of control and uh, move forward into uh, totalitarianism and tyranny. Uh, and it becomes uh, more important for Christians uh, to understand how to navigate these times and how best to uh, serve and honor you in times such as these. And Lord, I just ask that, ask that you would bless this message today, uh, that you do a mighty work through it, and that you would uh, comfort those that hear it. And for those that don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts and minds to the truth that can only be found in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the title of the sermon today is Unholy Agendas When Morality Is Illegal. And I'm going to preface the message by reading this article again. I, like I said, my mom called me a couple days ago and shared the article with me. So I went ahead and read through it and decided to go ahead and preach on the issues that this article uh, brings to light. Uh, the article, again, is from prophecynewswatch.com, and, and it's entitled, New Canadian Law Will Officially Describe Parts of the Bible as Myth. And it, and it says, with the passage of Bill C-4, or what's known as the Conversion Therapy Ban, there is a great deal of concern among Canadian churches. Has the Trudeau government put a law on the books that effectively criminalizes Christianity? According to some prominent clergy in this country, the answer is, shockingly, yes. In a letter published by Liberty Coalition Canada, a group of evangelical pastors comments, this, words, this bill's wording is sufficiently broad to allow for the criminal prosecution of Christians who would speak biblical truth into the lives of those in bondage to sexual sins like homosexuality and transgenderism. Even a mother or father who offers their children freedom from sexual sin through repentance and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as uh, and they refer to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, <clears throat> could be threatened with five years in jail. The letter continues with a rebuke of members of parliament who unanimously rushed Bill C-4 through the House of Commons last month without any debate or public input. Our king and head is greatly displeased with our MPs for their sinful disregard for the spiritual and eternal well-being of Canadians. 
But it is important to note that they have also committed high blasphemy by referring to biblical teachings as myths in this legislation. We must therefore, we almost therefore tremble to consider what terrifying judgments will be visited upon our nation for this bold gesture of hatred towards the Most High God. According to Bill C-4, which goes into force on January 8th, the Bible's teaching on sexuality and gender is defined as a myth under Canadian law. The promotion and sharing of this biblical teaching will be jailable, will be a jailable offense that officially causes harm to society. CLC has a warning about the insidious danger of Bill C-4, formerly Bill C-6, C-8, and S-202, for two years through our Stop the Ban campaign. The LGBT lobby, in bed with the mainstream media and Trudeau liberals, has mounted a direct attack on the very foundation of the pro-family movement, the Word of God, which gives us God's plan for marriage and family. This attack not only puts faithful clergy and counselors at risk of fines and imprisonment, it puts good parents in jeopardy as well. Reverend Dr. Aaron Rock, pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario, notes, In Canada, the teachings of both basic biology and the Bible are now myths, according to the preamble to Bill C-4, the conversion therapy bill. This isn't about protect, protecting people from harm. It's about the state playing the role of God. And not a single MP objected to it, including several that claim to be Christian. That's very important to note. Reverend Dr. Joseph Boot, president of the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity in Grimsby, uh, Ontario, warns, In Canada, Bill C-4, anti-conversion therapy legislation, has just sailed through the House of Commons and Senate criminalizing anyone, parent, pastor, or therapist, who would dare counsel anybody to obey God's law with regard to human identity and sexuality. I will not comply with this law as a Christian leader. I cannot comply. Reverend Clint Humphreys, a founder of the Gospel Coalition Canada in Calgary, Alberta, writes, The secular religion stated in Bill C-4 is intolerant. The Abrahamic faiths of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity are all condemned as heresy, according to Bill C-4's claim. How bold is the new religion to anathemize all others? In response to Bill C-4's disdain for the authority of the Bible, Christian leaders from all across Canada are encouraging all faithful pastors and priests to take a stand and speak out from their pulpits on January 16th. Sunday, January 16th is Biblical Sexuality Sermon Sunday in Canada. This call for pastoral action is a national in initiative meant to cross all denominational lines. Clergy of all stripes are being urged to, join, urged to join together in proclaiming the authority of God's word over and above our politicians' pro-LGBT pandering in Bill C-4. The emphasis of Biblical Sexuality Sermon Sunday is to faithfully proclaim the biblical view of marriage, family, and sexual morality in this time of great confusion and error. Many clergy in the United States are also alarmed by what they see happening in the great white North and are calling for a show of solidarity with their Canadian brothers on January 16th. Reverend Dr. John MacArthur, a well-known evangelical pastor and theologian from the U.S., has issued a pastoral letter in which he asks American pastors and priests, will you stand with me and our Canadian brothers and confront in a spirit of love and mercy the damning sins legalized in our culture? And will you join the nationwide effort to preach on a biblical view of sexual morality on January 16th, 2022, 
and proclaim the gospel of salvation that is now criminalized? If we all stand strong in this conviction together, the governmental forces of evil will be put on notice that divine love and sovereign grace compel us to be faithful to proclaim radical transformation at any cost. If you are a pastor or priest, we humbly ask you if you would consider preparing a sermon on biblical sexuality for January 16th. Will you take a stand for God's word? If you are a leader in another religious community, Jewish, Muslim, Sikh, or otherwise, would you consider standing in solidarity on this issue with the Christian community? Would you consider speaking out for traditional sexual morality on or near January 16th? If you are a layperson, would you ask, we, we would ask you to bring this matter to the attention of your local clergy and ask them if they will participate in Biblical Sexuality Sermon Sunday. And no matter who you are, we encourage you to, to make others around you aware of the Trudeau government's Bill C-4 and its attack on biblical Christianity, parental rights, freedom of religion, and freedom of expression in Canada. The lies and harms in this legislation need to be exposed, and that will only happen if we tell our friends and family about it. The mainstream media is not going to do it, so it is up to us. Thank you for your help. See you in church on Biblical Sexuality Sermon Sunday. Yours for life, family, and freedom. Uh, David Cook, uh, National Campaigns Manager for the Campaign Life Coalition. So anybody that's familiar uh with Canadian politics and what's going on in Canada knows that they have been on a very rapid decline into uh, immorality and making illegal uh, so much to do with the Christian faith uh, in recent years. And it's also happening here in America and many other places around the world. And that's why I decided to go ahead and do what this letter requested, this article requested. And that's why the title of my sermon today is unholy agendas when morality is illegal. Uh, there's a quote I want to share with you guys. Uh, it's from Francis Schaeffer in his book, How Should We Then Live, page 26. And, he, and he's speaking about Christianity in the Roman Empire. And he says, no totalitarian authority nor authoritarian state can tolerate those who have an absolute by which to judge that state and its actions. The Christians had that absolute in God's revelation. What he's talking about is the Roman Empire could not tolerate Christianity because Christianity has an absolute, perfect, pure, and holy measure of truth, and that is God's word in Scripture. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have an absolute measuring tool to hold everything up against and to test to see what is true and what is false. A totalitarian government despises anything like that because they cannot gain control if there is something to prove that they are wrong. And that was the situation with Christianity in the Roman Empire, and that's why it was so attacked. Because God's word provides us with absolute and eternal truth, it's easy to know what is right and what is wrong, what is biblical and what is worldly when it comes to the big divisive moral issues of our time. Homosexuality and gender identity are common sense issues, simple issues to address when considered from a biblical perspective. And one of the arguments that I know I could get from this sermon is, is making things too generalized or too simple by claiming that there is male and female, husband and wife, and that God created two sexes. But that is the way it is. 
we have that measure of truth and that proclamation of truth in God's word. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two of the biggest moral issues in modern society are homosexuality and gender identity. Is homosexuality sinful? Are there only two genders, male and female? So since the Bible is our measure and standard of truth, let's look at these issues and see ways in which the Bible addresses them. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 10 says, Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. And then Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his mother and his, his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Again, this is not my opinion. I'm giving you the biblical response to the issue of homosexuality and transgenderism. What does the Bible say about genders? In Matthew 9, 4 through 6, says, He answered, Have you not read what that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Jesus didn't entertain any other thought when it came to marriage than man and woman. What does the Bible say about the union of man and woman in marriage, and how is it significant in God's plan of redemption? And this is where we really start to see the beauty of the marriage covenant that men and women enter into and how it is a reflection of God's plan of salvation. Ephesians 5.22 to 33 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in this reading, seeing that marriage is such a beautiful representation of Christ's loving relationship to his bride, the church, is it any wonder that Satan has attacked it relentlessly 
for so long. When you understand the special place that the marriage has in God's biblical plan of redemption, you can see why Satan does everything he can to corrupt it and to tear it apart and destroy it. Homosexuality and transgenderism are glaring examples of humanistic pride in defiance of God and his natural created order. Sodom and Gomorrah are commonly thought to have been destroyed because of rampant homosexuality. However, the pervading sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was humanistic pride in rebellion against God of which homosexuality was an expression. It went back to that pride and a refusal to honor, love, and glorify God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 again. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And also Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, which says, now that the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are told in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. No human since the beginning of creation is sinless and will be justified before God based on their own perfect merit. All have sinned and stand condemned unless by God's grace they place their faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. All have sinned and, are, and none are in a position to cast stones at other sinners simply because their most prominent sin may differ from our most prominent sin. Sin manifests in different people in different ways. And this is where it's very important for us to understand the nature of sin as believers. Look at the list of sins that Paul lay, lays out in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 and Galatians 5, 19 through 21. He refers to sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, homosexuality, thievery, greed, drunkenness, reviling, which is abusing, swindling, impurity, sensuality. And looking at the Greek word behind sensuality, I would, I would say that that applies to gender issues. Uh, sorcery, which is addiction, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy orgies. The problem that we're wrestling with is that, th that four of the sins listed above by Paul are removed from the biblical classification of sin and actually placed on pedestals in a humanistic context. These four sins are sexual immorality, homosexuality, drunkenness or addiction, I'm including those as one, and sensuality, which is gender misidentification. All four of these are removed from being classified as sin in modern society and in much of the modern church. And that is why they are such issues right now. Sexual immorality, homosexuality, and sensuality, or gender misidentification, are considered to be natural dispositions a person is born with 
has no choice in the matter, and therefore bears no blame or responsibility from a moral context. Drunkenness or addiction are considered to be abnormalities or a disease a person is born with, has no control over, and after the initial choice to partake, can never fully heal or recover from, and from a spiritual standpoint of sin, is not responsible for. Of all the sins laid out in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, and Galatians 5, 19 through 21, do any of those have special interest groups and political action agendas? How many of the sins listed above have support groups that reward those who stop the sinful behavior and worship people for doing so? These four sinful behaviors are sexual immorality, homosexuality, drunkenness or addiction, and sensuality or gender misidentification. The truth of the biblical identification of these behaviors being sinful has been removed in the name of humanism, and that is why they have become like a plague on humanity. For Christians, we must decide, do we view these issues from a biblical perspective or, or from a humanistic worldly perspective? So the point I was making in that paragraph is, if you look at homosexuality and gender issues, they are said to be a natural makeup of the person that claims them. So they cannot be blamed in any moral sense for partaking in those sinful lifestyles. In the case of addiction, alcoholism, people have been wrongly told for years that those are diseases that they are born with. So again, they would fall outside of a moral problem and they are not sinful. Those, all those are in direct contradiction to the teaching of Scripture. And because they've been taking out, taken out of the biblical context, it is why homosexuality, gender issues, and drug addiction and alcoholism are rampant and running wild like plagues in modern society because they are not being addressed for what they are, which is manifestations of the sinful human nature. What we see happening in Canada and Australia could happen in America. If you remember the article that I shared at the beginning of what's going on in, in Canada. And we all know that Australia is becoming like Nazi Germany when it comes to these ridiculous COVID lockdowns and forcing people to be vaccinated. What we see happening in Canada on Australia could happen here in America if the people allow it. I want to share something with you regarding Australia. Uh, the pro tennis player, Dakovic, uh, was kicked out of Australia just yesterday or today, he, he will not be allowed to play in the Australian Open, which would, I think, given him the record of most Grand Slam wins in his career uh, because he refused to be vaccinated. There was some confusion. He thought he had been given an exemption, uh, but the government decided to go ahead and not honor that. They have kicked him out. And one of the quotes I wanted to share with you it's on my other computer from one of the government lawyers, he said, rightly or wrongly, he's perceived to endorse an anti-vaccination view, and his presence here seems to contribute to that and could lead to more people becoming anti-vaxxers. So the government's very clearly making the case that they are absolutely pro-vaccine. They want everybody vaccinated, and anyone who states anything against that or any voices of dissent against that or, or who questions it will be silenced. That's what's going on in places like Australia. So again, what we see happening in Canada and Australia could happen here in America if the people allow it. America, like the rest of the Western world, has slid into immorality and rebellion against God. 
the prevalence of abortion alone is enough to nail that point home. The problem and the danger Americans must face is the erroneous belief that a corrupt and broken system of government will be able to fix a corrupt and broken country. We are at a turning point in America where the only way I believe America is going to be saved is if the people wake up and realize that the only way it will be saved is by the people. The government needs to basically be removed and restructured as a constitutional republic. Now, that seems totally radical, and you wonder how could that ever happen? Maybe it won't, but that this is my opinion. Consider the parallels with the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther originally believed the corrupt and broken Roman Catholic Church could be fixed and brought back to the biblical outline and model of the church. When, when, when Luther originally started addressing the heresies and the apostasies and the abuses that were taking place through the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church, he believed that if he just brought these abuses to light and showed how they were contrary to, to Scripture and to, the Christian, and to Christian principles, that he could reform the church and it would come back into line. He soon discovered that the corruptive rot was too severe, had permeated too far, and the Roman Catholic Church was lost to heresy. As a result, the Protestant Reformation was born, and the true church flourished in spite of persecution and constant attack. So because of what happened there, they had to separate from the Roman Catholic Church. It was irreparable. It continued in heresy and apostasy, and the true church took off on its own and has blossomed and flourished since then. America seems to be in a similar situation. The corruptive rot that permeates the U.S. government at the highest levels has been growing, spreading, steadily taking over by varying degrees. Government education, mainstream media and entertainment, and much of American Christianity have all been serving the cause of the destruction of the American Constitutional Republic for a very long time. One of the main areas of focus in this decline is the long, steady, and growing attack on Judeo-Christian values and biblical morality. The COVID debacle has exposed very clearly the power structure of the federal government. Big Pharma owns and controls the government. The government controls mainstream media and big tech, which through fear, propaganda, and the suppression of truth and silencing of dissenting voices, manipulates, controls, and gradually takes ownership of the masses. From an article in the Epoch, Epoch Times titled, The De Defenestration of Dr. Robert Malone, uh, there's a quote that, that makes my point again that I just made, which says, what we're seeing is the convergence of big pharma, big tech, and big government. Let's call it the unholy trinity with big tech doing the bidding of big government and big government doing the bidding of big pharma. So the reason that I bring up this COVID thing is because these other issues that we're talking about are directly tied into what's taking place through the abuses in the name of COVID. The, we've seen very clearly who the abusers are now in our system of government. We can see who is using this to take every bit of power that they can and to be as tyrannical as possible and, to, and as totalitarian as possible as quickly as they can through this COVID hoax. And they will use that to further the other agendas that we began with, such as homosexuality and gender issues. 
to, to further immorality and make morality and Judeo-Christian values. They'll try to make them irrelevant and they'll try to make them illegal. The illegal and unconstitutional power and control the progressive left has grabbed in the name of COVID-19 will be used to expand immoral, inhuman, and ungodly agendas on every front they decide to attack. Unless the people of God take a stand, draw a line in the sand, and refuse to let the depravity spread any further. Acts 4, 18 through 20 speaks to the spirit that we must have in these times. It says, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So folks, it's very simple for us as believers. We simply continue to preach the gospel, to live according to Christian principles, to be completely intolerant of unchristian principles and anything that is against the will, the ways, and the purpose of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must make a stand. And it is an awesome time to be alive because we can so clearly see where we need to make a stand and who the enemy is. That's the blessing of this COVID debacle because you can see so clearly who the bad guys are. So those are the ones that we must stand up against and make a stand in, toward, and make a stand for right. That's what we must do. I'm going to share a uh, look at the headline at the front of the uh, Epic Times newspaper I just got in the mail. See that? Parents fight to remove sexualized books from schools. I am sickened to think that there are books like this in any classroom of a middle school for any child to read. That's the spirit we have to have fighting back against this insanity. We do it regarding COVID and the illegal vaccine mandates that they keep trying to push. And so, folks, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are trying to be middle of the road and saying, well, it's your choice if you want to wear a mask or be vaccinated. Folks, I've looked into this since the day it began. You can do what you want to do, but I feel like we have got to make a stand and say enough is enough. This whole thing has been a lie since the beginning. And like I said, they will use the power they gain from this in these other immoral agendas as well. So make a stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your truth. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless us all with uh, strength and courage and confidence beyond our ability uh, to fight back to make a stand, to be uncompromising and intolerant of anything contrary to you and your word, and that we would do everything in love and with compassion and with a heart for saving souls for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys, thank you for watching today. If you get a chance, please visit elephantwalk.net. It helps support the ministry. Just type the way, all lowercase, no spaces at checkout for 10% off. And you can find us on the web at the way, the letter R122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just search for The Way Radio in the search field. We're on Rumble at The Way R122. Please consider donating and supporting the ministry. You can do so by going to the way R122.org. I had hoped to start planning a trip 
to Kenya uh, in the next couple of months, but I've learned that the Kenyan government under control of the World Health Organization has now uh, stopped allowing anyone into the country who cannot prove they've been vaccinated. So that makes it very difficult for me to go there. Uh, but God does everything for a reason. We have this technology. They are receiving my sermons every week. I send out sermons to, I think, 10 different pastors at least, and they spread them to their congregations. And I'm sending sermons to private individuals there who are sharing them with their friends. So we are having a very big effect, even with me not being there physically at this time. But I do believe that uh, this insanity will come to an end uh, as more and more uh, the dangers and the damages that are being done by the vaccines and that they're really not needed and that that uh, that restriction will eventually be lifted and I'll be able to get back there. But in the meantime, uh, I'm still diligently doing all I can to help them. And uh, we especially want to help Pastor Patrick expand and improve his facilities. So please consider helping us with that. Just go to the way r122.org. All right, God willing, I'll be back here same time, same place next week. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.